to the lost souls, the disintegrated spirits, the wanderers, the dreamers, and the seekers. Welcome to the Embodied Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle McGinnis. Our work in this podcast will be to foster healing, transformation, self-expression, creativity, and the development of consciousness. So with our intentions grounded firmly, let's settle in and do some integration work. Hey friends, happy Thursday and welcome back to another episode of the Embody Podcast. If you guys are loving what you're hearing on the show, I would really appreciate it if you slid over to iTunes, dropped a five-star rating or a written review and just let me know what you are loving about the show, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of, any and all feedback is welcome. That feedback gets the show organically into more ears and more souls across the world. So before I dive into today's episode, I just wanted to give a little shout out for the women who showed up for the orientation call for the Wounded Women workshop series that I've been talking about. We had our first orientation call on Monday and just oriented to the book and oriented to how we're going to develop that archetypal eye reading the book, The Wounded Woman. So shout out to all of you out there who are listening who showed up. It was really heartwarming to be surrounded in in that community. I just wanted to let you guys know that I'm keeping that workshop series open to the public so if you wanted to drop into any of the calls they're every two weeks and so you can find more information on that on my website by following the link in the show notes but then also my fiance and I we have done four or five book clubs in the past and we are starting our next book club in April April 24th we are going to do a book called Trauma in the Soul by Donald Calshed so if you are interested in the depth and archetypal perspective um, the Jungian perspective on trauma and understanding the psycho-spiritual soul realms of trauma healing that might be a book club that you might be interested in that book will certainly stretch you so if you like being stretched psychologically and challenged intellectually that also might be a book club for you and you can find all the information to sign up in the show notes as well. Both of those offers are donation based so you get to choose the price. So in today's episode I wanted to just read through a paper that I had written back in December and it's called The Myth of the Vagus Nerve. So I've put a couple of the quotes from this paper on Instagram, social media platforms, just taking little pieces out and amplifying those sections. And a few people have messaged me about hearing the whole paper. And because this paper that I've written is through an archetypal eye, it's a archetypal amplification of a subject that is typically talked about so just physiologically and scientifically and so in this paper what I did is I took the vagus nerve which is the primary affected nerve and when you're doing nervous system healing and working with trauma and I took that nerve and amplified it and put it in in the context of a myth and use mythological and archetypal figures to kind of flavor that 
that myth. And so I want to read through the myth of the vagus nerve for you and just pause, maybe have a couple reflections here or there as I read through the paper. So I hope you enjoy and feel free to drop any questions about the episode or any of the past episodes in my free community. You can find the link to that in the show notes as well. So the myth of the vagus nerve. So there is a psychological fissure present in modern man that represents a chasm between the mind and the body. Most are quick to point fingers and to blame Descartes for this fissure because of his 17th century, I think, therefore I am. In the proposition from Descartes, our bodies are regarded as part of the external world, a world that exists independently of our thinking and is seen as a vast machine set in motion by God, fully determined with no capacity for spontaneous activity. And that was a quote by Christine Downing. The mind-body split presents in the lives of modern individuals as the feeling as if this fissure between the two is a vacuous hole. There is a feeling that this hole drops into complete nothingness. The emptiness of being or non-being evokes terror and dread for most. But why? Why is this middle space in this liminal fissure so mysterious and so dreadful? To the extent that an individual unconsciously prioritizes one side of the fissure, mind over body, or body over mind, is to the extent in which they will feel immense terror and dread around those middle spaces. Eventually, if these individuals continue to remain unconscious of the fissure, they begin to feel as if they're getting pulled towards the vacuous blackness. From a depth psychological lens, this descent into the liminal is an opportunity of a lifetime for the ego. This is an opportunity to gain exposure to the imaginal realm of the soul. In The New Gnosis, author Avens quotes Jungian scholar David Miller in stating, A journey into hell is a descent into the imaginal, and hence it is actually the ascent of the soul, providing the ego a perspective from a soulful point of view. If an individual is called to descend into those liminal spaces of the soul, but instead clutches in fright to one side of the fissure, they begin to feel an increasingly deadness inside. The aliveness once felt for life sinks farther and farther from consciousness until the soul is acknowledged. According to Jung's spectrum of the unconscious, Archetype, spirit, and mind sit on one side of the spectrum, while instinct, matter, and body sit on the other. Many are curious as to what propels the movement between the polarities within the spectrum. Depth psychologists would say, this is the function of psyche. It is important to honor the nature of psyche as it serves as a prominent psychological function. Can we even have psychology without soul? If our human experience is spent attempting to bridge consciousness to to this unconscious spectrum, perhaps the invitation is to get to know the essence of the soul that influences the movement within the spectrum. When the metaphorical is given a conscious recognition, the fissure that I mentioned before creatively transforms from a vacuous hole into a bridge. These bridges of soul contribute to the healing of this fissure created between body and mind. 
Hillman states that our life is psychological. The purpose of life is to make psyche of it, to find connections between life and soul. This essay slash podcast is a guided exploration into the mythopoetic middle of psyche. This paper will emphasize the importance of cultivating a relationship with metaphor, with image, and with the poetic nature of the soul, which in turn offers an individual improved psychological flexibility. When beginning any adventure, it's important to have an orientation of the starting point. The starting point in this paper will be an orientation to where we are in modern psychology. According to Jeanette Paris, two types of medicine have come down to us, one from Hermes and one from Apollo. The first, Hermes, is shamanistic medicine. The second, Apollo, is scientific medicine, and both are essential. While, the, while both Hermetic and Apollonian approaches are necessary, there is an obvious prioritization towards the Apollonian scientific approach in the West. Apollo communicates in a way that carries a single meaning to be straight and clear like an arrow. It makes sense why modern medicine would honor Apollo and his son Asclepius as the true patrons of the beginnings of medicine and the expansion of scientific thought. The straight and clear fits really well into the prioritization of efficiency and rationale in modern healing protocols. Hermes, on the other hand, communicates through nuance, ambiguity, and liminality. With the one-sided prioritization of rationalism, the wisdom found within the hermetic style of healing is forgotten. Alfred Ziegler offers, Nature seems to tolerate only a limited measure of one-sidedness. When the limits are exceeded, or if too much energy is devoted to one-sidedness, nature counterbalances the tendency through our bodies as if seeking a more effective and impressive means of demanding recognition for her chimerical plans. To reiterate, this paper will take a step towards honoring the wisdom found through the mythopoetic nature of psyche. The focus will be to open up more space for the hermetic style of healing to be honored. This revival of the hermetic approach will be through the telling of the myth of the vagus nerve. By pulling the vagus nerve out from underneath the weighty shadows of Apollonian medicine, we find a road, a way to traverse into the relationship with Hermes. In describing Hermes, Hillman states, it is, it is he within who is driven out of stable connections, who cannot settle, cannot conform, because he is driven to unsettle all forms. So the myth of the vagus nerve will shake up the one-sided rational approaches to healing and will offer different perspectives of healing that are inclusive of soul. So let's talk a little bit about the nervous system. So one may wonder, why amplify the myth of a nerve? And in particular, why the vagus nerve? Nerves have been of great interest long throughout philosophy and medicine, In the 4th century BCE, Aristotle asserted that the heart was the seat of intelligence and nerves originated and were controlled within the heart. An ancient Greek philosopher performed one of the earliest anatomical dissections and asserted that the nerves originated and were controlled within the brain. 
The vagus nerve in particular was not discovered anatomically until around the 17th century, and its physiological function was not delineated until closer to the mid-19th century. Despite the evolution of anatomy and physiology of nerves, one can easily see the fascination with nerves throughout history of philosophical and medicinal discourse. The word nerve originates from Latin nervus, meaning senu, tendon, cord, bowstring, string of a musical instrument. Perhaps the human body is the musical instrument and the nerves serve as the conductors that attune the body's cords to the rhythms of nature. The vagus nerve is one of the primary conductors within Psyche's symphony. The music from the vagus nerve has the power to reverberate and to bridge the physical body with the natural world. Hermes also has an association with music. Hermes overcame Argus, a a thousand-eyed monster, by putting him to sleep with music. So if an approach to the nervous system healing becomes too logical, it it becomes that thousand-eyed monster who threatens to destroy the hermetic approach. So if we can put the monster of rationalization to sleep by amplifying the music of the soul, we can get to the roots of this one-sidedness. The hermetic technique is inventive, intuitive, non-critical, with plenty of room to play. And by playing the chords of the hermetic tune associated with the vagus nerve, we will create a bridge that heals the fissure between the mind and body. So in this next section, I am going to do a little bit of personifying of this vagus nerve. So to Apollonian medicine, the vagus nerve is the 10th cranial nerve meandering down from the brainstem all the way down through the body, innervating the palate, larynx, pharynx, through our chest cavity, providing branches to the heart and lungs, and into our abdominal cavity, providing branches to most of our digestive tract. The vagus nerve is one of the most complex nerves within the whole nervous system. Its name appropriately conveys its complexity. Vagus, meaning wandering in Latin, shares the same root, vague, found in words such as vague, vagrant, and vagabond. In the imaginal psyche, vagus, capital V, vagus, is a wanderer, a vagabond, who feels at home in his complexity. He easily traverses down and in through the body. Hence, if we can follow the the descent and the wandering of the vagus, we may find ourselves wandering into deeper complexities of the soul that traditionally are bypassed in Apollonian approaches to healing. In the imaginal, each branch of the vagus nerve serves as a path for vagus to wander, to explore, and to mediate betwixt and between the different paths. In revisioning psychology, Hillman describes the wandering knight errant who has wandered off the course and away from the true logos of intellectual reasoning, intuitional revelation, and the eternalities of spirit. His main task was to help the poor. So psychologically speaking, he served to liberate the parts of the soul that were trapped in poverty from materialistic perspectives. Vegas is gifted with similar potentialities as the knight errant. If the moves of Vegas are honored imaginally, 
the music of the nervous system can be amplified, giving one perspective of the hermetic medicine that revives the true logos of intellectual reasoning, intuitional revelation, and the eternalities of spirit within the nervous system. The pass of the vagus nerve lead us to the palate, larynx, and pharynx for swallowing, to the lungs for breathing, to the chest for regulating heart rate, and to the gut for digestion. Psychologically, vagus is responsible for many other of the ways that the psyche regulates itself. Vagus first wanders into the neck and throat and affects how we swallow. The nervous system was designed with the capacity to receive and attune the information of a small village. Given that modern technology has given modern man access to the whole world, Vegas serves as an important mediator in discerning how much and what should we symbolically swallow. How much technology can we can we take in and expand with before Vegas becomes overwhelmed? Vegas then continues to wander around the throat affecting the tone at which we speak. The wandering then continues down into the chest, affecting the heart. Jesus was quoted in Matthew and Luke to say, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Here is a symbolic bridge between Apollonian and the Hermetic approaches. While anatomically we see that the vagus nerve innervates the tongue, the larynx, and the heart, Psychologically, we see a metaphorical poetic bridge between speech and what resides in the heart. Hillman states that our hearts cannot apprehend what they, that they are imaginatively thinking hearts because we have so long been told that the mind thinks and the heart feels and that imagination leads us astray from both. Perhaps it is Vegas, the divine orchestrator of the psychic symphony within, wandering here or there, throat to heart, creating bridges between the notes, who recognizes these paths, while complex, may not be so objectively separate. Hillman states that Jung's position states that the fundamental facts of existence are fantasy images of the psyche. All consciousness depends on these. Everything else, ideas of the mind, sensations of the body, perceptions of the world around us, beliefs, feelings, hunger, must present themselves as images in order to be experienced. And only as we amplify these imagistic metaphors can we begin to see the nuanced connections between the image, the body, and psyche. So as Vegas continues to wander into the lungs, his influence affects the way we breathe. Arising from the Greek pneumon is lung, and from the Greek pneuma is breath. Schroeder and Benzo assert that just as our soul, being air, holds us together, so do breath and air encompass the whole world. The air inhaled and exhaled as a result of Vegas gives the soul life, and in turn gives us life psychologically. Avon states, in ancient Greek physiology, the root meaning of asthesis has to do with breath in or taking in of the world. Hillman said that for the Greeks, the being of a thing is revealed in its display of its image. What Hillman means by asthesis, the aesthetic response, is closer to an animal sense of the world, a nose for the displayed intelligibility of things, their sound, their smell, shape, speaking to and through our heart's reactions, 
responding to looks and language, tones and gestures of the things we move along. By traversing towards the path of breath, Vegas gives us the ability to navigate the spirit of the insult world and process it within our matter. Without this hermetic bridge, the symbolism of breath and air would be concretized into lung diseases and indicate merely a dysfunction in our physiology, without a consideration to the bridges between spirit and matter. Finally, Vegas wanders down below the diaphragm into the digestive tract. There, he affects psychological, the psychological digestive process. In Hillman's Alchemical Psychology, he refers to a fundamental part of the alchemical process in reference to digestion of psychic material. He states that the soul requires psychic material, the residues of the daily world. They, they may fill the vessel but do not feed it. Information and influences only nourish after they are mauled and brewed over for a while. Pepsis was one of the terms used for what went on in the vessel. Pepsis, which is Greek for digestion, transubstantiation of the raw into the cooked, turning the events of the day into experiences, which is one definition of soul making. Alchemists warn against undigested material, extraneous comparisons, borrowed interpretations, theories, and explanations. Hillman amplifies the importance of digestion of our psychic nutrients. So after the vagus first mediates what is swallowed and ingested into the alchemical vessel psychologically, he must wander down and to mediate the psychological digestive process as well. Without vagus wandering into the gut, we see various symptoms such as irritable, irritable bowel syndrome, celiac disease, ulcerative colitis, that symbolically indicate that the psychological alchemical process has been disrupted. The symptoms we see manifest physiologically are the doorways to understand where Vegas has gotten stuck and can no longer wander. So we're going to talk about a process that Hellman calls pathologizing. So we're going to see through and amplify the pathologies. Nothing affects the wandering of the Vegas nerve in Vegas more than the experience of trauma. Physiologically, trauma is an experience of a stimulus in which the arousal levels in the body are too much, too fast, or too soon for the system to regulate itself. The wandering vagus becomes overwhelmed. The Greek etymology of trauma means a wound, a defeat, or a hurt. In trauma, the archetypal vagus perceives a life-threatening stimulus. He must wander down a different path now. Vagus heads down the, the primitive dorsal vagal path. This path serves to protect from literal death, archetypal death, and psychic annihilation. When Vegas goes down the dorsal path, the throat tightens, the heart, race, the heart races, the breathing shallows, and the digestive process halts. Psychologically, what we are taking in from the outside and what we are alchemically digesting is limited while Vegas is focusing on survival in the life-threatening stimulus. If the threatening stimulus goes away and the psyche is able to regulate itself, Vegas will return to his normal wandering and building metaphorical bridges within. But if the traumatic threat is prolonged and or the psyche is not able to regulate itself, 
vagus becomes overwhelmed and gets stuck on that primitive dorsal vagal path. This means he can no longer freely wander within. Hillman states that the starting point for some of our answers lies in our psychopathology, in the phenomena of psychic multiplicity, where personifying appears spontaneously. First, it may happen when the importance of a single individual becomes so overwhelming to a patient that he must split his image, multiplying it into more manageable parts. In this way, personifying is protective. It prevents an unbearable concentration of numinous power in any one form. So when the trauma presents a concentration of energy that dysregulates the psyche, our mythological drama of Vegas becomes a polytheistic drama of the Senex and Puer. The Senex, who is an embodiment of psychic order and boundary, emerges to protect the overwhelmed Vegas. Wherever there is Senex, there is also Puer, and in this case, a dissociated Puer. These archetypal figures emerge spontaneously to compensate for the high-intensity swing towards the instinctual side of Jung's spectrum of the unconscious. When this psychic dysregulation becomes repressed, the archetypal drama hardens. Instead of protective containing boundaries, the Senex now creates imprisoning, rigid distinctions between inner and outer, leaving the inner psychic space slow, heavy, chronic, and leaden. And because the inner environment is one of slowness and heaviness and deadened energy, the puer flies out and dissociates from the inner world. Vegas, the inner wandering, is imprisoned by the Cenex, and the dissociated puer escapes. The puer escapes from the traumatic wound and wanders outside of the psychic vessel to compensate for the inability to wander within. Hillman says that the wound, the open wound may here refer to the unbuilt psychic body, which originally, in Plato, is the guard and keeper, not in prisoner of the soul. At this point in the archetypal drama, we have lost access to the inner, inner wanderer that is Vegas. So with a chronic rigidified Cenex inside, and the puer wandering freely outside, Symptoms begin to arise inside and outside the body that allow us to see Psyche's new archetypal orientation. The drama is speaking and asking for a conscious acknowledgement. The dissociated puer wandering outside may show up in symptoms such as relational disruptions, addictions, or refusal to face the reality of the outer world as it is. According to Hillman, the movement of the soul is not a progressive march whose retreats are only for a better leap forward, but more discontinuous in that it includes the downward turns, the depressions, the recessions, the fallings away from awareness. The reason for this deviancy is that the journey itself is the goal, not some sort of utopia at the end of the road. It is important to turn towards the emerging archetypal drama and ask, to which person of the psyche and within which myth does my afflictions belong and does it bespeak an obligation? So here we're going to go into the process that Hillman calls seeing through, seeing through the pathology. So if Hillman's question above is not asked, 
The psychological process can become literalized, and the individual may become prematurely diagnosed with a pathological psychosomatic disorder such as PTSD. And although diagnosis may help individuals unconsciously contain their experience, these diagnoses tend to favor those Apollonian approaches to healing and miss the archetypal components of the inner myth. The archetypal components are invaluable to the process as they infuse the affected psyche with meaning. The archetypal drama does not need our consciousness to be meaningful. The meaning is inherent in the images within. But we need meaning to feel as if our experiences of trauma can fit anywhere within the divine myth that is our life. Hillman once said that the wound and the eye are one and the same. We must develop a way of seeing the pathology and the spontaneous movement of psyche as the same. Without an awareness of the archetypal drama happening within the myth of the vagus nerve, we get caught in literalizing the symptoms, missing the psychological insights, and we are left without meaning. And it is through the feelings of meaninglessness, darkness, and that leaden interiority that the soul's movement can be constellated. Because after all, Hillman said that the psyche seems more interested in the movement of its ideas than the resolution of its problems. So starting with the lead and synax, lead was especially important for the alchemical work of redemption. The work could not begin nor be completed without lead. And so Saturn, the synax energy, in some alchemical systems was the beginning and the end. The rigid synax that spontaneously appeared to protect the psyche from overwhelm of an instinctual unconscious energy. In the moment of trauma, the vagus needed help, and those rigid boundaries of the synax were just right to contain the chaos at the time of the trauma. But what often happens in trauma is that the archetypal protector is not consciously acknowledged, and then the boundaries that once kept other parts of the psyche safe become imprisoning, keeping other archetypal expressions within the drama hidden from consciousness. Hillman asserts that we need an imaginal ego that is at home in the imaginal realm, an ego that can undertake the major task of now confronting psychology, the differentiation of the imaginal, discovering its laws, its configurations, and its moods of discourse, its psychological necessities. So as we follow the archetypal drama of Vegas, the eyes of the imaginal can assist in discriminating the edges of necessity. It was necessary for the Synex to protect Vegas, but as time goes on, after the stimulus is removed, we must ask, what is the just right amount of Synex to protect the psyche in this present moment? And how long does the psyche need to be leadened until movement can re-enter? So if we can see through the fantasy between the rigid synax and the dissociated puer, as part of the psyche's attempt at self-regulation, we can learn the appropriate way to approach psyche in order to, in order for the experience to be one of soul making. So I'm going to go into talking about the soul making process. The symptoms of inner and outer imprisonment reflect a shift in our archetypal drama. 
yet they also bring us to psychologize, to go deeper into caring for the soul, which is psychotherapy, care for the soul. And the purpose of these eternal psychological problems? To provide the base of soul making. So we can see in the Senex and Puer drama that this is the dissociated puer is in direct relationship to the rigidified synex. So if we are looking to soften the psychic borders between inner and outer, we must creatively evoke a psychic container that the puer can wander in, yet be contained enough to allow the events within to be realized as psychic facts. If we can provide this containment by provoking new archetypal dramas in the form of therapeutic relationships or psychological ritual, the psyche's reliance on this rigidified synex for self-regulation can soften. The rigid synex can slowly dissolve his calcified walls and the spontaneous movement of Vegas can re-enter the psyche. Hillman said that the moment that we realize that the body also as subtle body, a fantasy system of complexes, symptoms, tastes, influences, and relations, zones of delight, pathologized images, trapped insights, then body and oil lose their borders. Neither is more literal or metaphorical than the other. It is in the return to metaphors, in the spontaneous emergence of the gods that catalyze the soul-making process. An experience of trauma cannot merely be reduced down to the body's inability to tolerate instinctual energy. There is so much more here. There is an archetypal drama that brings us back into the relationship with the gods. Hillman said that by refusing our fantastic nature of our lives, ourselves as metaphors and images made by the soul, we have become fastened in into constant force literalism, ourselves as real, the gods dead. By refusing the as-if frailty of our lives and denying that our essence is invisibility, like Hades, who is both only predictable surety and per se indefinable, we locate the gods within us and believe that we make them up as projections of human needs. We presume human needs to be the literalisms of biology, economics, and society, and breathe than than the psyche's perpetual insistence on the imagining. The gods who move within, like Vegas, connect individuals to what symbolically is ingested and digested, what is felt, and to the spirit that is the messenger for meaning in life. So in conclusion, there is a deeper mystery stirring beneath the anatomy and physiology of the vagus nerve. And this archetypal drama is a beautiful musical of what it means to navigate an inherently traumatic world contained in the human body. Looking through the lens of Apollo, we can objectively calculate, measure, and verify the body's anatomical and physiological responses to trauma. And this lens is necessary to get a general orientation of what's happening physiologically and where it's happening. Yet there must be a space to journey upon a deeper quest. We must learn to keep an eye on the path of the wanderer. Avon said that Hermes belongs to the journey constantly in motion. Moreover, the roads on which he travels are genuine roads of the earth, running snake-like, shaped like the irrationality shaped lines winding leading everywhere there is an archetypal necessity in the winding roads of the earth the earth within 
The winding roads tell a story. The story of trauma is not just a narrative created by the mind, but a story written by Psyche, an attempt to bridge the mind and body fissure. And without this myth of poetic eye of Hermes, we miss the myth that spontaneously unfolds within. Hillman stated, For ego psychology is what our souls today are left with. Whether body ego, feeling ego, or individuating ego, psychology is engaged with ego making and not soul making. So to initiate the soul making process, we begin by personifying the gods, moving within our physiology, listening to the stories that they share with us via symptoms, and then seeing through the literalisms of traditional diagnostic frameworks. Hillman states, remember the enemy is the literal, and the literal is not the concrete flesh, but the negligence of the vision that concrete flesh is a magnificent citadel of metaphors. This is where we must open up our shamanic eyes that face inwards towards the hermetic approach. This allows us to move between worlds, the world of the imaginal and the world of the rational. The gods want us to turn towards them and to honor their existence as real. And when we honor the gods and the myths they initiate us into as real, we are connecting to something much bigger than our diagnosis and much bigger than our trauma responses. It is here that the individual finds value, meaning, and a sense of aliveness. And through the imaginal, one develops a sense of psychological faith in what psyche is offering in the present moment. The archetypal invitation is to take a perspective of trauma that is inclusive of soul. No matter if the Vegas is wandering freely about the body or his, he is found imprisoned far from consciousness, within any physical symptom, the gods are creating a myth. And these myths are an attempt to bridge the fissure between the mind and body, to find the deep meaning hidden within the recesses of the fissure and the mysterious realms of the soul.